Hi, this is Rob Beardsley with Lone Star Capital. Today I wanted to shoot a quick video about the difference between a preferred return and an IRR hurdle. So preferred return is not the same across all deals. So I always encourage people to understand and read the fine print, uh, namely the PPM of any deal that they're considering investing in so they understand that when we're talking about certain terms that they are actually investing in the structure that they think they're investing. And even if they are, maybe there are other structures out there that actually are better suited to their needs, but they just aren't aware of them. So today I wanted to actually break this down and, and provide some insight here as some people aren't familiar with the way that an IRR hurdle works. Um, and in the institutional realm, really a preferred return is an IRR hurdle. So people don't even say IRR hurdle, they just say preferred return. So first I'll define that. We'll start with the, the more interesting one. So a preferred return in the more institutional sense, which is an IRR hurdle, is actually a cumulative and compounding preferred return given to LPs. So the, the way that this is actually calculated is typically, and it's written in the, in the operating agreement, that this is calculated via an, a Microsoft Excel XIRR calculation. And so if you're not familiar with what XIRR is, it is a built-in Excel formula that you have a row of or a columns of dates, and then you have cash flows associated with those dates. So this is the most precise way to actually calculate IRR. You know, it's to the day, even though IRR is an annual calculation or in the way that it compounds annually, even though, but that notwithstanding, the day that distributions are made actually have an effect um, on that annual IRR. So with the XIRR, right, you have dates and then you have corresponding cash flows. These cash flows can be negative cash flows, like for example, the initial capital outlay when the investment is made, and then you can have other cash flows such as monthly or quarterly distributions, um, you know, return of capital during a refi event, and then finally a sale, right, should return all the cash flows and then produce a profit. So with that being said, the XIRR waterfall with the preferred return actually calculates whatever the preferred return is, whether it be seven, eight, nine, ten percent preferred return, and it calculates it via an XIRR um, calculation. And then only then, once that hurdle has been met, can the sponsor actually dip into their promote. So what does this mean practically? It really means that it's almost impossible for a sponsor to see any promote until a sale, because how else are you going to actually produce and give investors an 8% IRR, for example, without a sale, right? It'd be very challenging to do that in a refi. You'd have to return 100% of their originally invested capital and then make sure that they've actually been receiving 8% on their capital all the while. So very rare for that to be able to occur. So really, what does that leave you? That leaves you with needing to actually sell the property, return capital, hit investors their preferred return, you know, an 8% IRR, and then the rest of the profit remaining upon sale is split at the promote rate and call it 70-30, right? 70% of the remaining profit above and beyond that 8% pref to investors and then 30% going to the sponsor as a preferred return, or I'm sorry, as a promote. So that's kind of your preferred return 101 where it's an IRR hurdle calculation, right? So now on the flip side, a more syndication style preferred return, or I think this is even called a, a European waterfall, is where actually you don't need to hit an IRR minimum as the preferred return. It's simply an ongoing cash flow uh, basis. And this means that as a sponsor, if I make a distribution in this month or this quarter, and I'm current, 
on that 8% cash flow, right? So if my investors invest a million dollars and over the course of the year, I'm actually able to pay them in distributions 80,000, that would be an 8% cash on cash. And any cash flows above and beyond that uh, cash on cash, I would actually be able to participate in as the sponsor promote. So this, these two different structures, that's how they differ the most, is really the sponsor gets to participate in cash flows via their promote, and then they don't on the IRR hurdle side. So what are the ramifications? So understand that there are pros and cons of both. Institutional investors, most of the time, demand the IRR style hurdle because they want that added protection of, they know that they actually get all their money back and a cumulative compounding return before the sponsor makes money off of their money. That's a fantastic way to go. It's hard to argue against it, right? Why should you get performance compensation before I've even made sure that my investment is safe? You know, I could still later, you could take a promote as a sponsor and then the investors lose money later, right? So institutional investors don't go for that. But with that structure where you as a sponsor don't make any money until you most likely sell, what does that do? it motivates you, incentivizes the sponsor to sell. So if you as a sponsor, or if you have investors that wanna be in a deal for a longer term, there's gonna be a misalignment of interest if you're sitting on a big promote, but you can't tap into it until you sell, right? So that's that classic misalignment of interest in terms of the sponsor wanting to quickly sell faster, which is going to drive up the IRR because of the time value of money, and that way they can not only monetize their promote faster, but also the promote is larger because they're gonna hit the minimum IRR or maybe dip into secondary IRR hurdle tiers, right? It might be an 8% pref, and then up to a 15, it might go to you know, 60-40 or 50-50 over an 18. So if they can quickly you know, post a 20, 25, 30 IRR, it's better for the sponsor, but maybe it's worse for the investors because yes, you delivered a good IRR to the investors, but investors are, are hurt because their actual equity multiple, the real dollars that they make is worse than if maybe the deal were, uh, you know, you stayed in the deal a bit longer or you enjoyed the cash flows, or maybe the deal is just a great asset to hold long-term to begin with and investors would be happy to stay into the deal, but because of the deal structure, the deal doesn't have a chance. So while I'm definitely a fan of the more institutional structure, I think that's just a, a very fair offer to investors, a very compelling thing to be able to tell investors honestly that, hey, I as a sponsor don't make any money until you've gotten all your money back, risk is off the table, and you've gotten a minimum return of, let's say, 8%. That's a compelling value, I believe. But at the same time, if there's a deal that is really cash flow driven for the sponsor and the investors, it really makes sense for the sponsor to be able to participate in those cash flows as a way to motivate and incentivize them to stay in the deal, produce robust cash flows. Um, so there, there you have that alignment of interest. So hope you found that interesting. And if you learned something new, please let me know, you know shoot a comment down below. Let's keep the chat going. Um, thanks a lot.